My wife is not here this morning. I believe it's because she's not well. I don't think it's got anything to do with the fact that I'm preaching. Just recently, for some reason, this book of the prophecy of Jeremiah uh, seems to be cropping up all over the place. You know, you get those periods in your life when certain things just keep happening. And Jeremiah just keeps popping up wherever I've been. You know, our, our daily readings were uh, in the book of Jeremiah. And then you know, I think last Monday's prayer meeting, our prayer triplet, Jeremiah's name came up three or four times. And then during the week, um, it popped up again. I, w- I was searching for something and the name Jeremiah came. And in the end, I said, well, okay. Lord, if you've got something in the book of Jeremiah, uh, tell me where it is. Um, and I hope uh, what comes out of it uh, will be useful to you this morning. I learned one thing, it's the longest book in the Bible. Not in chapters, but in words. There's more words in Jeremiah than any other book in the Bible. <clears throat> not that you can include Psalms, of course, because that's not one book. So yeah, took a while to read through it, 52 chapters. <laughs> you know, I'm not the fastest of readers. But I'm not going to preach on 52 chapters. Just a few verses, really. Um, but it's, a, it's, it's well, I don't know, there's so much to learn from it, you know, a lot of people, a lot of Christians shy away from the Old Testament, um, but you know, this is an everlasting God that we have, and an everlasting Saviour that we have, so, uh, you know, even before the Old Testament became to being, God was there, and even after time we will know that he will be there, and we shall be, God willing, with him, in the name of our Lord Jesus. But verses 1 to 3 in chapter 1 set the scene for us. The words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests of Anathoth, in the territory of Benjamin, the word of the Lord came to him in the thirteenth year of the reign of Josiah, the son of Amon, king of Judah, and through the reign of Jehoiakim, Kim, son of Josiah, the king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. Now I won't stand here and boast, but this information came from Google. The prophecy of Jeremiah lasted somewhere between 40 and 50 years, and that is worked out from those names of the kings and they're in those first three verses. So for 40 to 50 years, Jeremiah was going about preaching to these people what God had told him to say. And then 4 to 5, he's calling, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Very comforting words for a man of God because he came from a priestly family, probably being trained up to be a priest. 
to follow in his father's footsteps. And then suddenly God speaks to him. And very comforting words, aren't they? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Wonderful. But I appointed you a prophet. Now, Jeremiah would have known about prophets, and we all know what happened to prophets. They were tortured, they were beaten, many of them were killed. In in Hebrews, some of them were sawn in half, others were executed. There was no good life for a prophet. Just imagine Jeremiah's face when God said, I've appointed you a prophet. Oh, heck. Oh, heck. Can't I just be a priest like me dad? You know, I can do plenty of good work as a priest. I'll be a good priest as well. I won't be one of these who does it all wrong. I will actually bring the people back to you. No, no, no. I've appointed you, God said. I will appoint you. I have appointed you a prophet. But I'm only a boy. I'm only a boy. I'm only 18 years old. What good am I going to be going out to all these people? 18, 17, 16 possibly. I'm too young. Too young. I can't take this message. Hold on a minute, says God. You don't know what the message is. No, but I know what prophets get up to and I know what happens to them. I don't want to die young. I don't want to die young. I've just bought some cattle and I've got to go and, be- got to go and look after them. I've just got married, I've got to set up my home. Same old excuses from Old Testament to New Testament rather than doing God's will, hearing his calling. There's far more important things in life It's fair to say that the rest of chapter 1 really confirms God calling. And assuring Jeremiah, this is wonderful, isn't it? The rest of it confirms his call, it assures Jeremiah of God's presence and that wonderful promise, for I am with you. For I am with you. And he certainly needed to believe that promise. For from the moment he started his prophecy, he faced prison, death threats, he was put in the stocks, he faced up to false prophets and faced them down, he was accused by everyone, continually ridiculed, left in a cistern to rot, his scrolls, which his secretary faithfully recorded for him, they were saved in a shredder, so he had to, he had to write them all out again. Everything went against him. Everything went against him. But I am with you. And the final humiliation was when he found himself in irons, ready to be deported to Babylon with the rest of those whom God was sending into exile. But I 
am with you. And it's not just a promise that God makes to Jeremiah. No, I am with you always. So when Christians today go into the world, if you're a true believer and you have that true relationship with Jesus Christ, when you go into the world, you may not end up in the stocks. Although we went to Charlestown a couple of weeks ago and I've got a picture of my wife in the stocks. I'll put it on the wall. <laughs> you may not be put in a thing, you might not go to prison. But you real face ridicule, and sometimes that's worse. You will be put down, you will have to face up to false prophets. And that's only in this country. Of course, they know the countries. People are put in prison. People are put in sex. People are persecuted. People are killed simply for bearing the name of Jesus. But I am with you. I am with you. And off Jeremiah went, what a message to have to carry for 40 or 50 years. What was the message? <laughs> You're going into exile. You're going into exile. Babylon's coming. They're going to carry you off. Hmm. Why? Well, it's your punishment. You've turned from me, said God. You started worshipping stone and wood and false idols. And yet I was the God who brought you out of Egypt. I was the God who freed you from slavery. I was the one who led you through the desert into the land flowing with milk and honey. But you threw it back in my face. And now you're going to be punished for it. It's amazing the number of people who you meet who you get into conversation with about Christianity and quite often the bottom line is well if he's a God of love he won't send you to hell if he's a God of love he's not a God of love he loves love and he will send you to hell punishment is due if you have turned your back on God And God will use whatever means. It's a lovely a little bit in here, isn't there, in a verse where God described Nebuchadnezzar, who was going to be the king who was going to come in and destroy Jerusalem and take off the captives back to Babylon. God describes him as his friend, as his servant. Sorry, not his friend, as his servant. Nebuchadnezzar, my servant, is going to meet out the punishment. He didn't even believe in God. He was God's servant. God will use whatever, and he will use whoever to accomplish his purposes. And what made it worse, the false prophets were saying, well, don't worry too much, because he is a God of love, and yes, he will punish you. Two or three years, 
five years? No, said Jeremiah, 70 years. 70 years you're going to go. That got him a slap on the wrist. No, 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 said the false prophets. No, 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 no. He's a God of love. <laughs> he won't punish you that much. 70 years. What is the lifespan of man? 70 years. Very few, if any, of those who were deported were ever came back. They're not the ones who came back. They were not the ones who came back. 70 years. Just moving on, I've got a, a reference here to Jeremiah 15, part 5. Just a little bit. And God says, Who will have pity on you, O Jerusalem? Who will mourn for you? Who will stop to ask how you are? You have rejected me, declares the Lord. You keep on backsliding, so I will lay hands on you and destroy you. I can no longer show compassion. I will winnow them with a winnowing fork as a city, at the city gates of the land. I will bring bereavement and destruction on my people for they have not changed their ways. There will be no let up. There will be no let off. When you come to the end of your life, there's just two ways that you can go. One is into God's presence. One is out of God's presence and into exile. And that's where the punishment will be. That's the Christian message. It's unpopular. It's unpopular. Jehovah Witnesses didn't like it, so they became Jehovah Witnesses. They don't believe in hell now. And you can shut your mind to it. You can convince yourself that it will happen. But Scripture says it will. God says it will. And God is everlasting to everlasting. Jeremiah, moving on. Jeremiah only saw one part of his prophecy come true. There was three parts to it, wasn't there? It was exile, there was a return, and the new, the new covenant <coughs> that God promised before they went into exile. There was only one part of it that Jeremiah saw, and that was the exile. Having done God's will, that was his reward. <laughs> that was his reward. Forty or fifty years of prophesying and standing up to the enemies of God and bring this un... I don't know. Unpopular, I guess, unpopular message to the Jewish nation. And all he got was to see the people go off into exile. I think they probably got him the taste of the weeping prophet because he cried, he loved his people just as God loved his people. Can you imagine that God didn't cry when these people were taken off? I mean, he's already told them earlier on there that I have loved you, the words of God, I have loved you with everlasting love. I have loved you with an everlasting love. 
and off they went. I don't suppose they felt very loved, but off they went. 70 years. Jeremiah even told them to make themselves at home. Make yourselves at home when you get there. You know, dig up the fields, plant your own crops, live in a house, even get married, you know, because you're going to be there a long time. 70 years. And as I say, not many, if any, would have come back. Sure enough, the prophecy came true. They would have all seen it. The prophecy that, that, uh, that Jeremiah was giving out, the Jews would have seen it because along came Nebuchadnezzar, marched in with his whole army. God wasn't messing, was he? He didn't send a little troop in. It says in the scripture, it says here in Jeremiah, that Nebuchadnezzar came with his whole army and he destroyed the temple, all the important buildings. He took many poor people with him. A lot of the nobles went with him. He just left a handful of people, just a remnant of people in, Israel, in, in Jerusalem to, to, to the land and, and I guess to keep things ticking over. He set up a siege that lasted for two years. And when the, when the king and the army eventually broke out and ran off, they chased them after them. And king who was in reigning at the time, Zedekiah, uh, took them all. Took the, the Nebuchadnezzar took him away. Um, he murdered his sons in front of his very eyes. And as soon as he murdered them in front of his very eyes, he then took Zedekiah's eyes out. I don't think I'd have liked to have met Nebuchadnezzar, would you? But anyway, off they went, gone, ransacked. Sad old story, isn't it? Is there any good news in it? Is there any good news in the book of Jeremiah? Anyone got the name for Jeremiah? No one put their name up for Jeremiah, hand up for Jeremiah, did they? Got no Jeremiah. You wouldn't probably think of calling you. You might do, I suppose, Jeremiah. Soon shorten it to Jerry, wouldn't you? So the people wouldn't know. Terrible message to have to take, isn't it? And he spent 40 to 50 years doing it. It never, it never got much better. Or did it? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. There's always good news when you're talking about God. There's always good news when you're talking about Jesus. Might not sound like good news when you're preaching it to someone who hasn't got a clue what you're talking about. But you don't knock on somebody's door generally and say, you're going to hell or you're going into exile. But that's what Jeremiah had to do. But we come then to chapters 29 through to 30, just four chapters. Um, it's not as easy book to follow, Jeremiah, because it's not necessarily written in, in good chronological order. Sometimes you have to delve back to, to read something and then move forward again. And, but there are four chapters there in 29 to 33, and just chapter 31 in particular, there's a few verses here. Um, where are we? Yeah. You remember that the, the, the northern kingdom, but you remember when Jeroboam, after King Solomon, Jeroboam and Rehoboam, that the, the nation of Israel was split in two. One became Israel, one became Judah. Quite often in this book of Jeremiah, God refers to the, uh, the part of Israel, he refers to them as Ephraim, 
um, because that was the, became the major tribe and the major tribe in the south was Judah. So as you read them names, don't get too confused. <coughs> but here we are, chapter 31, 23. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. When I bring them back from captivity, the people in the land of Judah and in its towns will once again use these words. The Lord bless you, O righteous dwelling, a sacred mountain. People will live together in justice and all in Ju sorry in Judah and all its towns. Farmers and those who move about with their flocks, I will refresh the weary, satisfied of faith. At this, Jeremiah awoke. He'd been sort of, you know, not in a trance, but you know, I don't know if you're like me. The alarm goes off. Ivy gets up, and I lay there for another half hour with things going through me mind. And I think that's how it was with Jeremiah, receiving the, the word of God in, in that sort of twilight time. Anyway, <clears throat> Yeah, the days are coming when I will plant the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the offspring of men and animals, just as I watched over them to uproot and tear down and to overthrow and destroy and bring disaster. So I will watch over them to build and to plant, declares the Lord. In those days, people will no longer say the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge that's an odd sort of saying isn't it really fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge don't know if any of you ever saw the original film of West Side Story still think it's the best film I ever saw but nonetheless <clears throat> and you remember the, the, the rival gangs, and then one gang were outside the drugstore teasing the police officer. And they sang the word, and there was word to the line in that song. Our mothers are all junkies. Our fathers are all drunks. Golly, Moses, no wonder we're all punks. But no longer would the fathers eat grapes and the edge will be on their children. And it goes on to say that everyone will die for his own sin. I think it got to the stage where these Jews might have been moaning at, at, you know, at Jeremiah. Well, it's not our fault. It was our, our forefathers. They're the ones who have led us into this sort of state. They're the ones who have brought us to this point. You blame them. Why didn't God punish them? But you won't be held responsible as a nation. We won't be held responsible as a people of God. You, me, will be held responsible for what we have done with Jesus Christ. You'll be responsible for your own sin, not somebody else's. You might have to live with the consequences of somebody else's sin, but you won't live or die by it. It's you. Everyone will die for his own sin. Whoever eats our, whoever eats our grapes, his own teeth will be set on edge. My brain's beginning to get hot, so I'll bring it to a finish. And I think this is the most important promise of all. The best bit of the good news. Yes, God would bring them back. 
Although I don't think, if you read scripture and, and take this prophecy and, and then read the, the rest of scripture, when they did come back after 70 years, yes, it was God that was bringing them back. Yes, they did rebuild the temple. But I don't think that was the ultimate bringing back that God had in mind. I think that is this prophecy to be fulfilled. But, but you make your own mind up on that one. They came back, they rebuilt the temple, the walls of Jerusalem. That hasn't, like I say, I don't think that part of the prophecy went off in. That prophecy came true. They went off into exile. Yes, they did come back, but it wasn't for very long, was it? Because it wasn't long before the Greeks came in and overtook the country. Soon after that, the Romans drove the Greeks out and the Romans took over the country. And we know the rest as recorded in the New Testament for us. I believe that's still a time to come. But the third part of the prophecy has come true. And you and I both live in it. Because when Jesus broke bread, then he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. That's the new covenant. No longer is the law outside coming in, but I will write the law on their hearts and in their minds. So it's no longer the law outside coming in, it's the law inside going out. The new covenant in Jesus Christ. Every week here, we celebrate that fact as we come around the table, take the bread and the wine, remembering the Lord's death until he comes, but also celebrating the new covenant that God has set up. And it's not one full of laws and goodness knows what else. It is simply belief in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God. I don't know if you've ever seen the film Dead Man Walking. had a guy who is convicted of a, a, a dreadful uh, rape and murder, spent a good number of years on death row, having been convicted and sentenced to death. And a prison visitor goes in to, to, to visit him and spends lots of time talking to him. She almost, he almost convinces her that he's innocent. But as you see in flashbacks in the film, you realise he isn't. But he gets her feeling sorry for him. Halfway through the film, you're beginning to feel sorry for him. And I don't know if you've often seen some of the documentaries, people like Louis Theroux, when they go into these prisons where these guys have been sitting under a sentence of death for years on death row. And you think it would be kinder to execute them straight away, but no, they sit on death row for years. And as I was watching that film, I suddenly thought to myself, I'm on death row. Aren't I? 
because of Adam's sin, you will surely die. And we spend our whole lives under the shadow of death. But the good news is we don't have to. Yes, we're going to die, but we don't have to live under the shadow of death. Because what has God promised under this new covenant? Life. And life everlasting. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Yes, he said that to the, to, to, through Jeremiah, speaking to the Jews. And you, 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 you do get these factions that say, oh, yeah, well, that was for the Jews, it's not for the Gentiles, blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you this. When Paul talks in the book of Romans about being grafted on, we are a very privileged people as Gentiles because we have been grafted on to the Jewish race, so to speak. We had an Acer plant that we bought a number of years ago. When we first bought it, it was a, a bit of a root, a little twig, and a bit of sticky tape around it, holding it on. And it was grafted on. It's been there 20 years now. It's a tree. And you wouldn't notice the difference. Gentiles and Jews have grown together. One in Christ. There is now no Jew or Greek. There is no slave or free. When we march into heaven, into that new Jerusalem, we shall be one in Jesus Christ. But until you find Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, you live under the shadow of death. But once you found Jesus Christ, it's everlasting. We're going to sing a song in a minute. Because you see, the thing is, the reason we often doubt things is because we doubt these things in our mind and we don't trust God enough. Because God has done it all. Because we haven't, because we haven't done anything ourselves to bring about this, this salvation, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like when someone else does a job for you, isn't it? And you think, oh, what the? Yeah, I'm sure I could have done better myself. I don't, do I trust them? Do I trust them? It's a matter of coming to trust in God because he's done it for you. He's given you life. He has offered you life. He has offered you eternal <coughs> life. Eternal life. Now, people will say, that's okay, but if I don't become a Christian and I don't want to go to heaven particularly then I'll be all right. No, you won't. Because there's not just one place to go. As I said earlier, there's two places. And there's a very definite promise in the Bible that if you don't go to heaven, you will go to hell. And that is eternal punishment. That is eternal exile. 70 years and they moaned about that. This will be forever. It's a great book, Jeremiah. God speaking to his people and warning them. You know, the church has become very guilty in recent years of just, uh, of just preaching this God of love, which is fine. But people these days don't know the word love. 
They don't know what love is. It's been about, it means nothing. Love Island. They would be done for job description, shouldn't they? Love. No, no. God is a God of love, but he is also a God of justice. And what he has promised, he will bring about. Just as he bought Jeremiah's prophecy about, just as he bought all the prophecies that he gave a message to his prophets to preach, just the same as he's given you and I. You know, those first few verses, God said, I formed you in the womb and I've chosen you. It doesn't happen to every Christian. In fact, 99% of people who become Christians will probably just spend a normal life living it out in the world. But living the Christian life out in the world, not just an ordinary life, your call, unless it's a specific one, your call is to live out your life before men just as Jesus would. That people will see him in you. And the question you have to ask, if you're a Christian this morning, the question you need to ask is, do people see Jesus in me? And if he doesn't, pull your socks up and get a grip. Because that may be the only prophecy, that may be the only message, the only chance that you will ever get to speak to a person, see a person, spend time with a person, And don't think just because you haven't had a call like Jeremiah that God isn't counting on you because he is. And if you don't know Jesus this morning and you've got really no interest in it whatsoever, then think again. I would beg you to think again. Because you are a dead man or a dead woman walking. One day the last breath will leave your nostrils. And one day you will stand before God. And he might, well, well he, won't, he won't pick on Jeremiah to do it. He will do his own prophesying and he will tell you. And you will be sent into eternal punishment. Let's just bow our heads. Father, we thank you that you are a God who loves us with an everlasting love. You love your creation. You love every part of your creation. You love every aspect of it, particularly the human aspect. Because you have loved humanity with an everlasting love. Right from the very beginning of time, even when that first sin was committed, in your grace, you put it, well, you didn't put it right, that sin was in the world, but you forgave them. Just as you will forgive us, 
But there is coming a time, Father. There is coming a time. Because unless we accept that forgiveness, unless we accept that forgiveness through blood and the new covenant of our Lord Jesus Christ, coming a time when we will stand before you and you will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Father, through your Holy Spirit this morning, speak and let your servants hear. Amen. Amen. Going to sing our last song. When I fear my faith will fail, he will hold me fast. Thank you.
won't get to heaven through anything that you do. You will get to heaven because God loves you. He gave his son for you. Don't turn him down. Don't turn him down. Let's just pray, Father, what we will not teach us, what we have not give us, what we are not make us. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.